Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Interested in starting your own podcast? Then Anchor is the right platform for you. When it comes to creating a podcast and editing and producing, Anchor has all the necessary tools for you to have a top-notch product. Anchor also distributes to your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They even give you the opportunity to make money like we are right now just by having them as a sponsor. The best part? It's completely free to download and use. Download Anchor in the App Store or on Google Play and get your podcast started today. It's time for the Say Hey Podcast, your San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones. Available on your podcast platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Say Hey Podcast and like our page on Facebook. All right, we are back here for part two of, and Charlie, I've titled it "The Art of Sabermetrics." So uh, that's that's what we're gonna have. So we're back. We're joined again uh, by Charlie Baldwin, um, and let's jump right into it. So in part one, if you missed it, we went over uh, offensive, you know, hitting uh, sabermetrics and used Mike Trout as the standard, and we used Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, and Mike Yastrzemski as the Giants. Um, specifically that we wanted to say, hey, are they going to be better than or worse than this year? Um, so now let's get into pitching. And uh, I'm kind of going to let, let you take over here. And your example, like Mike Trout was for hitting, we're going to use the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, Shane Bieber, as the standard for pitching. So go ahead. Yep, so the pitching metrics that we're going to look at are going to be earned run average, ERA, uh, strikeout to walk ratio, fielding independent pitching, batting average on balls in play, otherwise known as BABIP, uh, expected fielding independent pitching, which is known as also known as XFIP, and also Fangrass War. So if you listen to part one, you'll um, already know a bit about this, but it'll be more to more in pitching terms. So again, similar to uh, part one, the reasons I've chosen these stats are I feel like from what Farhan said in interviews and the type of pitches he's acquired, these are kind of the stats he uses as a baseline to like when he's looking at the numbers to say, yeah, this is the kind of pitch I want to get on board. There are also some external factors to consider as well, like before we look into analytics and before we go into analytics, but uh, we did cover that at near the beginning of part one. So uh, please do go and listen back if you need a refresh on that. So to get into ERA, this is quite common. Uh, we all know it's earned run average and it represents the number of earn, earned runs a pitch allows per nine innings. Uh, so this is runs that are scored without the aid of an error or pass ball. Um, it does have its flaws though. Uh, these 
as it's highly dependent on defense look and sequencing. So it tells you very little information about the picture. But as you'll find out shortly, when we use it in comparison with other metrics, such as FIT, BABIP, and XFIT, it does help to paint a good overall picture of a season the a pitcher is having. So in terms of the scale rating, so excellent is 2.50 ERA or below. Average is 3.75. Awful is 4.60. So if we quickly go and take a look at Shane, Shane Bieber's ERA. So again, just like you did with the hitters, if you just type in Shane Bieber in the search box on Fangrass, and if you scroll down to standard, the ERAs will be listed there. And for 2020, um, through uh, 12 starts, he had a 1.63 ERA. And to be honest, just, uh, just with how low that is, um, I, I would say he'll he'll easily have a he won't have a bad ERA, but I'd say it's an he'll probably be an ERA um, in the mid twos, like some something along those lines, maybe maybe the low twos, just because of how great a one point six three RA really is for a pitch throughout the whole season. It is extremely rare to be that great, that dominant. So the next metric to look at is strikeouts to walks ratio. So this tells us how many strikeouts a pitcher's records for each walk he allows. The number is simply found by dividing a pitcher's number of strikeouts by his number of walks. So for example, if a pitcher strikes out 100 um, hitters in a season, but he walks 50, then you'd have a strikeout ratio of two to one. It's essential. It is an essential tool for evaluating pitchers, as we can tell if a pitcher is striking out a lot of hitters and barely walking any. He has great command of his pitchers. If he's walking many hitters but striking out few bats, then the opposite is true. This is also quite common as well. I'm sure a lot of you will have or will know by now that Crook and Quiet do also cite this quite often when they're doing pitcher breakdowns for other teams that we may not be familiar with. So um, there wasn't a Fangraphs estimated scale for this. Where just put my my own together for it. So excellent, I had at five to one or better. Um, above average, I had at three to one. Average, I had two to one. And poor is anything less than than a two to one. So again, if we take a look at Shane Bieber's strikeouts to walk ratio, which can be found if you uh, just go down to the advanced section there on his uh, player profile page, it's five point eight one two. It was five point eight one to one. Um, but it was actually higher in 2019, so there's an argument to be argument there for it could be higher again. So I'll, I'll go for slightly higher on that. I don't think it will be into the realms of all-time great 11-plus kind of them to one, but I think it will be a safe, uh, safe low to mid-six to one kind of strikeout to walk ratio. So the me next metric is fielding independent pitching. So FIP is measured in a similar way to ERA, but it focuses solely on the events the pitcher has the most control over. So this is strikeouts, unintentional walks, hit by pitchers and home runs. So it entirely removes results on balls hit into the field of play. So this means that FIP strips out the role of defense, look and sequencing. So you might remember there that we said that um, ERA had issues with this, so again, you can already see that FIP is filling in some of the gaps that ERA gives you, making it more a more stable indicator of how a pitcher actually performed over a given period of time than the runs allowed base statistic, that, such as ERA, that is dependent on the quality of defense played. So, for instance, ERA, if, you, if you're a bad defender, then you'll see it in terms of errors. But it doesn't really reward good good defense. So, like, so say Brandon Crawford at his peak, like five or six years ago, it doesn't. There's no way it, 
ERA doesn't show that. It just says, well, we just presume Brandon Belt is what he is defensively. Um, so in terms of fit, the scale is excellent at 3.2, average at 4.2, and awful at 5. So if we take a quick look at how Shane Bieber did there, he was at 2.07 in 2020 compared to 3.32 in 2019. Again, um, just just with how great that was, like it, it was well into the excellent territory. His 2019 was just above excellent, so again, I'd say he's probably going to be worse than that in uh, 2021. So Shane Bieber's really good. <laughs> yeah. <he's- laughs> Um, so the next metric is batting average on balls in play. So this measures how often a ball in play goes for a hit. So a ball is in play when the plate appearance ends in something other than a strikeout, walk, or hit batter. Catches interference, sacrifice, bunt, or home run. So in other words, the batter put the ball in play and it didn't clear the out, outfield fence. Now this complements FIP as Babbitt and FIP's together can be used to look at how the pitcher is doing in terms of what he can control and what he can't control. So, Doug, you remember yesterday we were having a conversation about Rick Porcello from last season, and he had an ERA of 5.64, but he actually had his career fit best of 3.33, but he also had a career-high BABIP of 3.73 versus his career average BABIP of 3.08. The reason for this was... Frankly, the Mets' defense behind them was just absolutely atrocious. They weren't making plays that you'd expect them to make. They weren't making many above-average or unlikely plays, etc. And being a ground ball guy especially, this obviously really, really hurts a pitcher like Rick Porcello. So in terms of Babbitt, like someone to look at in terms of this especially, like amongst the current starting pitch and rotation is so somebody like Alex Wood who depends more on like his, his slider and his um, off-speed pitches in, in compar- compared to his fastball. So the average public for pitchers uh, lasts, is generally about 300, but most keep it to within a range of 290 to 310. So I didn't feel there was a need to do a scale here as they were, um, as it's such a small range that they go into. Um, again, 2020, uh, yeah, Shane Bieber was uh, well below that, 267. Um, did have a two, he did have a slightly high, high above it of 296 in 2019, but then, again, it's within the realms of what you'd expect. The 267 isn't really far out um, from what, you've, what you'd expect, so it's not an extreme outlier. So um, I'd say... I'd say probably be some somewhere in between. I think 280 would be a good bet. As as again, as we were saying, it mostly regresses close to the mean. But again, it's all about the quality of defense that he's got behind him. Um, and the, the Indians, despite the amount of great players they have lost and are losing, are generally a good defensive team. Uh, so the next metric is ex, expected fielding independent pitching, uh, also known as XFIP. So that's a little X, a capital FIP. And that's similar to FIT, but it uses projected home run rate instead of actual home runs allowed. So the home run rate for FIP is determined by using that season's league average home run fly ball rate. So whereas FIP would actually use the pitcher's own home run fly ball rate, um, expected fielding independent pitching actually uses the league average rate. So it kind of like gives you an idea of like how the pitcher should be doing FIP-wise in terms of allowing home runs. So 
The league average uh, home run fastball rate, just to give you an idea, was 15.3% in 2019. So the reason XFIP does this is that home run fast, uh, fly ball rate can fluctuate a lot from year to year, with pitchers often regressing back towards the league average rate over time. If a pitcher has a higher home run slash fly ball rate than league average, his FIP will be higher than his XFIP, as obviously he's allowing more home runs than league average and vice versa. So if he's allowing less runs than, home, than the league average home run fly ball rate, then his FIP will be lower than his XFIP. In terms of scale, excellent is 2, 2.90, average is 3.80, awful is 4.70. So let's just take a quick look at how Shane Bieber did in XFIP in 2020. Uh, have to go up to the main dashboard to find this one. Wow, he must have. Yeah, his, his home run fly ball ball percentage rate was actually fifteen point two percent. That's not too far below uh, too far below the league what the league average would have been. But but then again, he's so yeah. It's what you'd expect. His FIPS point zero three points higher than his ex FIP, which is literally nothing in in. Uh, in statistical terms, again, even if going back to 2019, there's only a nine-point difference there as well. So he is roughly right, right around um, home run fly ball league, league average. Um, again, just because it's that ridiculously, <laughs> that ridiculously good, I would expect some kind of regression from him on that. <laughs> so, 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 um, I think, I think in, I think in the in the threes would be a safe bet, like around the low threes kind of pace. Um, so Fangrass pitches wins above replacement. So again, like like the player player equivalent, it tries to give an all round impression of um, how a player is doing in relation to a free available player, such as minor league free agent or uh, or a triple or triple A or triple A corp. So pitches are force calculated by using FIP. Those numbers are then adjusted for league and ballpark. Then using league averages, it's determined how many wins a pitcher was worth based on those numbers and his innings pitch total. So the scale is pretty much the same as this player scale. So, <clears throat> excuse me, MVP is six plus war. A good player is three to four war. And 4A replacement level is zero to one war. So if we take a quick look, uh, how Shane Bieber did in 2020. So we were saying generally uh, pitchers like front end starting pitchers only make about 36 starts. He made he made 12, and in those starts he had 3.2 WAR. So it just made over a third of what you'd expect expect um, a pitcher to make. So again, if you continue down that trend, <laughs> if you if you times 3.2, you get well over by about three or slightly less than three, you get well over nine. So again, he was just um, having a superstar kind of year and, and showing showing his potential. I don't know what it is about Cleveland and being able to draft great pitching, Doug, but they seem to be able to do it on a consistent basis. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. When you think back to Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, uh, Mike Clevenger, who they traded and somehow didn't miss a beat after trading, trading him, which if you think is completely ridiculous... Had Bauer, so, yeah, Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Well. So, so yeah, there's a they're definitely doing something something right in the uh, drafting when it comes to pitching there. Okay, so um, if you have any questions, Doug, before we move on to Kevin Gaussman or 
No, let's. Yeah. I, I'm. Uh, I we we all know how great Shane Bieber is, and so like like you had Mike Trout in episode one, um, or in part one. That's the standard. So Shane Bieber is now the current major league standard for uh, pitching, yeah. even when it comes to uh, advanced metrics. So let's hear some of our own guys. So we got Kevin Gosman first, who had a, a pretty damn good year last year. Um, and yeah, go on on uh, Kevin Gosman. Yeah, so um, one thing I want to want to say here, Doug, like is similar to how I was saying earlier that metrics are like a puzzle, where like the more you find out, the more it fits together. Um, that was kind of the train of thought I was trying to go down with using uh, ERA, FIP, and BABIP, etc. So yeah. you kind of seen that where like one kind of fills in like the gaps that the other one gives you. So yeah, I was just wanting to double check that was definitely uh, coming through there. So just quickly load up Kevin Elson's page. So basically, while while Charlie's looking, um, it, basically, if you want to find out how good a pitcher is, put all these numbers next to each other, have the scales up, and if they fall on average, I would say of all the averages and the above average to good, then you got a pretty good pitcher on your hands. And and the same for the opposite, if it's uh you know average to below average, you can kind of just put all those like in a chain link together, and you can really uh, evaluate a pitcher's output. Um, by putting all these numbers together, so. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I just want to make a point about ERA there, Doug, because there may be some like, intermediate saving nutrition, the right to the saving nutrition saying, why is Charlie using ERA? It's like outdated, et cetera. It's not, and it's, <laughs> and it's pretty much useless at this point. Well, the thing is, it is still like really widely used and okay. It's not as, oh, they've got across the point that it's not as accurate as say fit or X fit, but it still gives you an idea and it can still be used as a comparison to those other metrics as well. And it's just because so many people know it, but I think if more people found out about FIP and how they work together, I think there's definitely like room there for, for maybe in two or three years time to go. Oh, so, um, so let's say Kevin Gausman here, 3.62 AR in 2020, but then he also had, let's do a FIP comparison. Uh, while we're talking about it, he had a 3.09 fit. So, so okay. So what's what's a, what's the difference in what's the difference in fit there? So if we've checked the Babbit, um, batting average on balls and play there, it's okay. He had a 2.99 in 2018, but compared to career average, it's quite a lot lower because his career average in terms of Babbit is 3.13. So he had good, he had, did have good defence uh, behind him. And in terms of what he could tr- control going by FIP, he was doing really well, really well there as well. Um, just, just to um, <clears throat> just to tie in with the eyesight um, thing, Doug. Do you remember Kevin Gausman giving up like much in terms of home runs last season? Uh, sorry for putting you on the spot there. No, that's okay. Um, uh, not really. I mean, this was a guy that. Uh had kind of dominant stuff. And, and I think the first thing you think about Kevin Gosman is, is his power. And he was throwing probably what 97 per, uh, you know, consistently. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I think I, I do have his average from you still an, uh, an average of 95, but he was topping that average wise um, pretty consistently. So, um, you know, in regards to your question with, with home runs, um, I, I don't remember him giving up a ton of home runs, and it could be the ballpark. Uh, I mean, would he give up eight last year, which is which is nothing in in ten starts. I mean, if you're if you're giving up like one home run a start, in my opinion, 
that's not bad. It's not bad. Oh, definitely. That's good. That was a, that was a very good indicator. Um, in terms of uh, strikeouts to walks, um, 4.94. So, again, doing great there. Uh, again, it's it's um, above his career, like the best of his career stat as well. Yeah. So, in terms of in terms of ERA, it basically comes down to a case of, do you think he has put it together? Because ERA-wise, it's the second best year he had, uh, 2016 being the one that beat it with a 3.61, excuse me. So, going, going by the indicators, so when you factor in the Babbitt, when you factor in the FIP and XFIP as well. So, for instance, um, he, even his XFIP, so he was right. So, you know what we say now about Shane Bieber, about being really close to league average in terms of home run fly balls? Um, so, if we look at Kevin Gausman there, his 3.09 FIP is just slightly more than his 3.06 XFIP. So, that says... He was right on it in terms of giving up um, home runs like at a league average rate in in terms of home run fly ball rate. So, um, in terms of across the board, like his metrics up to this point that we've mentioned across the board, um, ERA, yeah, I'm confident he could beat that given like the other the other metrics that have come up here. Um, also, he's also what you have to factor in in Babbitt terms as well is Tommy Lestella at second should be a Good upgrade on Donovan Solano as well. That was my next so point. You, yeah. Yeah. So if you go around the Giants Giants infield, you've got Brandon Belt at first, who um, I'm not going to say too much about Brandon Belt because we covered him a lot last game, but how has he not won a gold glove in his career? I think that's something we can all agree with, Doug. <laughs> um, at sec- second base, you've got uh, – I'm guessing – I suppose it depends on how you think Lestella will fit, but I think he'll get most of the reps there. And shortstop, you've got Brandon Crawford. Like, okay, he may not be defensively as good as he was at his peak, but he's still pretty good. Still average, short of average. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan Longoria, who is better than I think everyone thinks he is. Like, like he's probably not Gold Glove standard, but he's like above average easily. And and yeah, with with that type of defense in in the infield, like if like. A lot of routine plays that you would expect to be made would be made. So that would keep the ground ball rate down. And as long as he, as long as he keeps the ball in the park, then that will obviously handle the FIP and XFIP point quite quite as well. Um, in in terms in terms of in terms of walk numbers, because I don't want to go like into in depth on too many other metrics. So I don't want to con- confuse the confuse the listeners. So if we quickly just look at walk percentage, wow! What? Oh no, sorry, I was just looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, his, his walk percentage was. On, on the career average as well, 7.1, that yeah. was 6.5. So, so yeah, so we'll talk about um, wins above replacement in a second. But, um, yeah, in terms of ERA, I think he'll beat that. FIP, those, those were really great numbers for his career, but he probably won't – I don't think he'd be that far like into lower threes, but I think he'd be more into the, the mid threes, which still rates as, like, good slash, good slash very good, borderline – Borderline great. Um, so yeah, again, it's just a case of he had a great season. Um, he might regress in some parts, but overall, he's still gonna. He's still got everything it takes to be a very good pitcher. Um, in terms of wins above replacement, um, a, pro- a full projected 2020 comes to 4.4 for him, uh, which puts puts him at All Star level. So so again, it's shown that he's a very good. He's at a very good level in in that metric as well. Um, 
I actually think he could get around that again. Um, but it would be the best in his by far the best in his career if he did it. So just to kind of be a bit more grounded, I'm I'm going to say he gets for about four or so, which is which is still not as great as last season, but still very good. And so what what I want to say here, Doug, is like if you literally just looked at the ERA, you'd think three point six two, yeah, it's all right, not great, not a psych. But when you really dig into the babip, the fit, and like you get the full picture of like what you can control, what you can't control, of what the defense is doing, of like what he's given up in terms of home run numbers and walks. Um, you've, you do have the makings of an ace, I think you'll agree. I do, and I've been saying, um, you know, all, all offseason, I think Kevin Gosman's going to be the opening day starter. And, and I, I was an advocate for him during the season last year that the Giants actually, when, when he was brought up, heavily in trade talks during uh, the 2020 season. I said, I think this is a guy the Giants may want to end up keeping, um, surprisingly, which at the time was kind of against the grain. Um, but I think he was a big part in keeping them into in the race until the final day of the season. But, you know, back to the numbers, if you look at his numbers through the years, he's he's been fairly consistent um, across the board uh, with with his numbers. I would say the big difference between – um last year and uh you know the rest of his career is yes he he's a hard thrower um he's throwing mid to high 90s consistently like i said he's throwing about 95.2 on average uh but the big difference to me was the uh change up usage which he he yeah. used a lot more last year especially in strikeout situations which um, it was at 12.9 percent the previous year in 2019 it was at 1.3 so if you want to see why Kevin Gosman is going to continue to get better, um, it's because he's he's getting older. He's in his prime age of 30 right now. He's becoming a wiser pitcher. He's, he's adjusting to the major leagues um, around him. So I think that's a big uh, indication of why he's gotten better and he will continue to be better um, is because he's implemented more of that changeup percentage. But also – uh, in regards to ERA, kind of like the basic one we're talking about here, I agree. I think he's going to be right in the 3-5 range, which, you know what, um, it's fantastic. So, uh, you know, factor in pitching at Oracle Park is beneficial, um, and he's getting better. I, I think he's on pace to have a uh, a similar, if not slightly better, 21. So, Yeah, and the great thing is as well, um, Doug, is uh, Oracle played quite offensively last year in in comparison to past years as well. So he, sure. he's, played, he's played in the one year where the park has played like an offensive ballpark and he's still put up these great numbers. So, and if you factor in, like, like I don't want to go off too much on the tangent here, but if you factor in the dead and ball as well, that's, that's probably going to help his home run numbers a little bit. So as I said there, even though I'd expect his fit to go up there, it shouldn't, it shouldn't like balloon up massively to where it was a few years earlier, where it was like at 4.32, 4.48, etc. in 2018, 2017. Yeah. So, so yeah, when you um think about the the factors of the park as well, and a few other things, yeah, with um all around, I think um there's a recipe for for an ace pitcher there. Yep, I agree. Uh, so next we have Yarlene Garcia. So just get his page loaded up yeah harlan garcia um had a a 
pretty dang good uh, 2020 in his first season with the Giants. He's 28 years old, um, a lefty, uh, which I love. I wish we had more lefties in the bullpen. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're ready, let's talk about Harlan Garcia. Um, just one more point about the change-up, Doug. Um, I don't know if you saw the article the other day that was in both Giants Chatter and S Fangrass, but the Giants pitching staff, excuse me, have been asking not just one or two of the pitchers, but pretty much the whole rotation to throw more change-ups. So yeah. because Kevin Gaussman was that successful with it and is proven to be a definite extra weapon for all the others, um, yeah, that, for anyone wondering why... Why they're asking uh, the pitchers to throw change-ups. There you go. That's that's and, and not, that question. And, and like you said, not to go too off tangent, but that did factor in um, also with bringing in like a, a Discaflani and a Wood because they are on board with not only um, individually getting back on track for the, the projection of the rest of their careers, but they have bought into what the Giants' pitching philosophy and their pitching staff with you know like Andrew Bailey and, um, and really what their philosophy is and using more change-ups and because it betters them as a pitcher. So, and it helps the team. So, you know, you're winning as an individual and as a teammate. Yeah, that's it. Cause um, there are, there are more ways to put a pitching staff together and a successful pitching staff than just having a, okay, we'd love to have five guys. We'll throw a hundred, have like a sneaky, great night, night, mile, mile per hour power change up and a power 85 slider. But <laughs> unfortunately those guys just don't grow on trees unless you're the Cleveland Indians somehow. But, <laughs> but the, the other way to go is, which is the way the Giants are going is to have pitchability pitchers where they're not snazzy. They're, they're not, not sexy looking in like the way in the way they pitch and like they won't have like massive strikeout to walk walk ratio numbers as an example, but they will get the ball on the ground, rely on the defense and get the get the job done. And it is another way to go, especially when you were factoring the launch angle issue as well. Because if you're getting players to on the hit on the ground more, you're kind of, you're kind of reducing that power potential because they can't launch the ball at the angle they want to. So yeah. I'll end that there as I don't want to go too far off the reservation on that one, as we kind of have a little bit. Um, so, the only Garcia in terms of ERA, <laughs> 0.49 for 2020. Is that good? So, <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. I, I think hey, even Shane Bieber would be happy with that, I think. Shoot. Um, <laughs> so... Career career average wise, three point nine two. Uh, it's twenty nineteen. It was three point zero nine. In terms of FIP again, uh, three point three point one four um, in twenty twenty. Three point seven seven in twenty nineteen. But here's here's what's kind of interesting. There's a big divide here. Um, X FIP five point zero three and four point seven four. So in home run numbers terms. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a there's quite a discrepancy there. So if you remember what we were saying earlier about um, FIP versus XFIP in terms of home run fly fly ball numbers, um, he he's giving yeah he's giving up less than less than league average, uh, which is um, which is a really good really good sign in itself. Uh, he did he did not give go, up one home run last year. Oh, there we go then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think if he'd given up any. That's kind of why I kind of slowed down a bit. And I, yeah. I couldn't even think think of one. So, yeah, that explains that. Um, in terms of strikeouts to walks, uh, 
two. So yeah, that's that's so that's okay. Not quite as high as two point four four in twenty nineteen. Um, but um, would I like that to be higher? Yeah, would be would be good. But with the numbers he's putting up elsewhere, does it really matter too much? That's the thing. If you're putting up numbers in other places, but you're not like having massive high strikeout numbers, and as long as you're not walking too many people, um, you, you can live with that. You can get by that way. So, so overall, in terms of his ERA, is he likely to beat that? Again, it's just so astronomically low. Um, the chances are no. But that's not to say he's going to be bad. Um, I'd probably put him in line mid, mid twos. I'd say. Yeah, mid twos. That that puts him more towards his 2019 numbers with the Marlins. Um, in terms of in terms of FIP and next FIP. Um, in terms in terms of FIP again, because it's in terms of FIP though. If he's yeah, if he's doing a great job of keeping control and controlling everything he can in no in that in those kind of terms, then there is an argument to say he could actually do even better in FIP, like as ridiculously as it sounds, as like that is already a really good, a really good FIP. So I'm going to take a gamble here and say like he'll actually better that. Um, in terms of X FIP again, um, yeah, um, it, it did go up in 2020, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd expect that to be lower. So again, I'll say, I'll say he'll beat that quite well, um, and then. I think there's just four left that we haven't done yet. Uh, 0 0.3. Uh, with relievers, it's quite hard to predict war because of the different roles and from season to season, how much Limited. that can change. Yeah. Um, but again, a few times... So we had 18 and third innings in a 60... in the 60-game season. Um, he had, they had 50 innings in 2019, 66 in 2018. So again, you could probably times the 18 by three or four now. You get to 1.2, 1.5, which is really good for a reliever. Just to give you an idea, the um, tips projection for the whole Giants uh, relief pitching staff for next season currently comes to 2.3. So if he's if he's pushing one on his own, or he's likely to be pushing even just one on his own, that would be a really great sign. So... So, so for me, um, yeah, it's another case of he was that good. It'll be tough to be that good again, but there's no reason why it couldn't be. Yeah, and and again, from from my point of view, even not using numbers um, much is if if you look at it, well, I'll start off using small numbers. Like if you look at his splits, like against righties and lefties, they're fairly even. Which to me, and they were both in the plus. I would say is is good. That means he could be very much a part of. Uh, and I think they'll have a closing committee instead of a closer. I think he's going to get some opportunities um, to be the ninth inning guy in close games because he can get lefties and righties out. He's 28 years old. He's pitching at an advantageous ballpark. Again, I know. The offensive numbers were a little better there last year, but it's still a pitcher's yard. Um, but, yeah, and he's not going to blow you away with velocity. Um, he's a low to mid-90s guy. But, uh, yeah, and an improved uh, defense and more opportunities this year. Um, you know, just in regards of ERA, he's, gonna, he's probably going to pitch in 60 to 70 games uh, if he's healthy. So I, th I think he'll be somewhere in the mid-2 ZRA, and that'll be a very successful season to me. 
Um, so I'm excited to see Harlan Garcia. I'm, I'm glad we highlighted him as one of our guys to, to look at um, in regards of oh, uh, advanced metrics. So Definitely, because uh, also if you think about those Padres and Dodgers lineups, though, like, like yeah. getting someone from the left side in, in those late innings who can – who has a chance to like make it at least difficult for them? I don't want to say mow them down because they are those hitters are unfortunately that good. Where yeah. just getting them out is at times is just a success in itself. Oh yeah. Um, but move so. But moving on, we have the one of the off-season acquisitions in Jake McGee, another lefty. Indeed, and an interesting thing about Jake McGee is. As we'll go into in the stats in a minute, um, is <laughs> I don't think uh, anyone would see this as being unexpected, but his stats outside of Colorado are a lot better than when he was in Colorado. You don't and that, say. That could, <laughs> and that could be down to a number of reasons. Um, again, I'll use I use this one opportunity in this um, on this part of the podcast to plug S Fangrass on. On uh, Facebook, as we had a discussion there where we did a deep dive into what basically went wrong with the Colorado Rockies overall, like not just not just last year, not just with training Arenado over the past two or three years, and um, our interviews with former players and etc. Who were saying um, the coaching, player development, the whole lot, everything just wasn't up to like the standard you'd expect it to be at major league level. So again, just to give you an idea, that's like part of also the intangibles that um, one should think about when they are looking at metrics as well. Like if you think about the Giants compared to like in the Evans era, compared to when Farhan came in, in terms of um, using like Rapsodo and Trapman, which are basically like pitching an offensive uh, like a review software, so it'll give you a load of metrics like spin rate, um, launch angle, and a lot more in-depth metrics as well. Like, if we were using those during the Bobby Evans era, um, I'd be quite surprised, to be honest. But, like, that's where you need to be right now. You need to be at the cutting edge to get every single inch or find out every single bit of information that you can. And, and the Rockies also have the smallest... Um, analytics department in their front office as well there's literally two people that makes up their research group um after they let go of four so that so i just wanted to highlight that just to show what the difference is between say a bad front office against what um i know i know opinions on forehand are divided at the moment but in terms of like what what he's done in terms of player development and how he's moved that forward i don't think there can be an argument to say that it hasn't improved especially like looking at the stats we're going over now, like if you look at the stats in general for offense, defense, pitching, everything got a lot better last season in comparison to previous years. But just to go back to Jake McGee, um, so after he got out of Colorado, one thing that he immediately found with the Dodgers was he actually had a lot more um, vertical movement than he thought he did on his fastball. Um, so in 20, so once, after he moved to the Dodgers, actually threw 132 pitches. And 122 of them were fastballs, amazingly, which means he threw a fastball 94% of the time, which is, yeah, unbelievable. Crazy. Dugger, I'd say, yeah. So, uh, so in terms of um, projections, so ERA, sorry there, something's just come up. Let me just click that off. Apologies, apologies, Doug. For some reason, Jake McGee didn't lo- didn't uh, load there on Fangraphs. That's okay. So yeah, in terms of 
Yeah, so in terms of ERA, um, unsurprisingly, 2.66 in 2020 versus 4.35 in Colorado in 2019. Um, if you if you compare to last year in Tampa in 2015, it was at 2.41. It is fit again in Colorado, ballooned to six in 2019 compared to 1.67 in LA. Again, it was at 2.33 in Tampa. XFIP was at 2.91 as last year in Tampa. That was at 5.38 in 2019 in Colorado. And last season, that was at 2.10. So in terms of strikeouts to walks as well, I just have to go down a little bit there. Wow. Get this for a jump, Doug. So in 2019, he had a strikeout to walk ratio of 3.18. In 2020, that went up to 11. Yeah, I think he had 33 strikeouts and three walks. So, yeah, that's that's 11. That's that's a really good ratio. So, if you want, like, if you want to watch a pitcher who has surefire command, he knows where he's putting his fastball. Um, he's cha- he's charming well with his catcher. Um, Jake McGee is arguably the closest thing to a shut guy, shut down guy. Excuse me, that um, this bullpen has arguably. So, um, for those of you who who maybe don't want to watch Tyler Rogers kind of give us heart attacks by every <laughs> in in every appearance, Jake McGee could be could essentially be a guy for you to watch. Um, in in term in terms of Babbitt, um, it was two ninety three with the Dodgers last season. It was three hundred in his last season in Colorado in twenty nineteen. So that's right round the range we'd expect it to be in that 290 to 310 range. So I think it's going to gonna be there again. Um, so in terms of ERA, uh, 2.66, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, and say he, he actually beats that because he's proven that he's got the fastball to do it. Um, and he, I think, does he have a change up as his secondary pitch from memory, Doug as well? He um he actually he's more of a, a slider guy. Um he's kind of slider a fastball guy, yeah. Sorry, slider yeah. guy. So like if you look at his rates from from the last two seasons, uh, obviously twenty nineteen in Colorado, he was an eighty point four percent fastball, nineteen point six slider. Um, but then the season, like you said, ninety seven percent fastball, three percent slider. Yeah. So he uh he's like I would say a one and a half pitch guy, especially if he's yeah. coming on <laughs> such a such a successful season, um, doing what he did at age thirty four. Yeah, I could he's I would say he's a one and a half pitch guy. He's gonna throw a fastball most of the time. Maybe he'll try and get you out with the slider. Yeah, just to say, like obviously if if for some reason the fastball didn't work as effectively, then he could just throw the slider ball and and put and get people out that way by um, using the speed and move. <clears throat> excuse me, moving using the speed and different difference in movement. Pretend, uh, yeah, difference between the two pitches there. So in terms of FIP at one point six seven and XFIP in two point one zero, it's quite a big ask to ask him to beat those numbers. So I'm I'm gonna safely say he's gonna be it's gonna be higher for higher for both. But again, that's not to say like he's not a very good pitcher, probably excellent reliever at this point in time. It's it's just because he was just that good again that um it's very unlikely that he'll be able to um to post those numbers uh, post those numbers again. So in terms um, in terms Go ahead, yeah, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, there is. So in terms of in terms of war, uh, zero point seven. Again, um, in a shortened season for Oliver, he pitched twenty in a third innings last season. That is really really good. Um, over a full season, could you argue that it could numbers could go up or down? Um, he's good. He's good enough to actually beat that, but it would be quite quite a big ask. But again, he's got the track record. Um, in in Tampa in 2014, for instance, he had a 2.5 WAR. So there, there is scope to say there's scope to say he can he can pitch that level. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's he's found something. He's in a good environment where the coaching suits his style. He said that um, analytics was one of the reasons I wanted to come to the Giants as well. So um, yeah, I'm I'm going to be confident to say um, he he'll. Oh, actually, zero point seven returns about two point seven, one point four. Getting towards two war there. Yeah, I'll, I'll say he'll, he'll be above two war for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I I agree with uh, one of your last points there. With I think the environment, he's he's a better fit. He's I think he's a great fit in San Francisco, and more of uh, kind of from my uh, baseball perspective is. This is not a specialist. Jake McGee is a guy that actually is statistically better against right-handed handed batters. Um, so again, this for for this reason, this puts him into the closer committee type for me at least because he can get both sides of the plate out, um, and he's actually backwards. He's better against righties. So yes, he's thirty-four years old, but relievers can you know. Uh, generally they can they can last longer than starters in major league baseball this is a guy that i think started to figure it out um you know later in his career so i think he's a great fit for the giants um i think he is also going to be a guy that's relied upon 60 to 70 times uh the season just like carlin garcia um you know uh mid-90s fastball relies on it a lot uh yeah. and the thing is is you did bring up command um, like surefire command. I'm a little uh, hesitant to say that just from my point of view. And I've actually talked with you guys about this from, from again, this is the coaching perspective. I noticed a lot in Los Angeles last year. And yes, the numbers prove that he throws strikes, 33 strikeouts, three walks last year. Um, but I've noticed that the catcher uh, lines up in the middle of the zone a lot. I don't know if, if there's a reason uh, for that. If maybe he's not much of a corners guy, maybe in the future we could talk of do a, um, you know, a live video in giants chatter and do a, a graph look at because um, a lot of his strikeouts were up in the zone. Hey, you know, obviously it's a, a pitcher heavy leverage, a O two one two count. And he's just trying to get him to go after the high fastball. And a lot of them were in the strike zone. So I am curious to see how he works with Buster Posey uh, in regards to, uh, you know, framing or, or hitting corners instead of just, uh, you know, getting guys out with high velocity uh, fastballs over the plate. So I am intrigued with Jake McGee. I think he's a good fit for this bullpen and I think he will get some save opportunities. So I am excited about that. Yeah, me too. Um, just just to conclude, Doug, um, I just want to an answer one question like that. Some submetricians might might be thinking, uh, listen to this, like um, the intermediate slash expert segment of the fan base, like although I know it might be pretty small for our, for our fan base, might be thinking, well, why didn't I go into more news, more metrics, etc.? 
well, the reason for that was I wanted to make it like quite easy to follow on, like for beginners to like get them more into it, especially with the way Farhan thinks. So, I think you did a great job there, Doug, in like adding things that I didn't use because I didn't want to use ten different metrics for both hitters and pitchers and lose people along the way. I wanted to keep it like um, this is how it works. This is why it works. This is how you evaluate it. Whereas I think we could have got a bit too trodden down in detail, like specific details that didn't really matter. Whereas I thought we did well to like keep it progressing, keep it consistent and keep it um, hopefully fairly easy to follow through. I agree. And um, yeah, I mean, especially like you said, from the Farhan perspective, from the, from the front office perspective, uh, I think in 2021, if, if you're not at least looking into these stuff slightly and seeing players' value and, and, you know, tying that into, and we could do a whole other episode where it should be tying to players' value, you know, dollar-wise, um, you're kind of a dinosaur. So, I mean, you have to kind of meet, even if you're not huge into sabermetrics, you kind of got to, you know, respect and accept some portion of it as, hey, this is where baseball's heading. Um, it's absolutely a deciding factor in what front offices are doing in pursuit of uh, players because some, like Farhan and Scott Harris, you'll see, hey, we value this guy because we see these numbers instead of, you know, uh, someone in the AL Central is just looking at the basics and, and what he was paid previously. And the, they could – completely evaluate and value someone totally differently than a, a different um, organization could. So uh, Charlie, thank you very much for coming on. Um, we will have you on again. Uh, make sure uh, like, like you plugged, you can uh, find uh, SF fan graphs. If you're really interested in it, it is an exclusive club. So make sure you know what you're getting into there. Read the rules here, what, especially what he talked about in part one of these and then uh, also make sure you're joined up on Giants Chatter um, where we uh, discuss daily Giants stuff. So, um, Charlie, thanks for coming on, my man. Uh, thanks, it's been we'll, a pleasure. We'll talk soon, and uh, go Giants. Go Giants. When the Giants come to town, it's bye-bye, baby. Every time the chips are down, it's Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.